Having renounced all the actions by knowledge. And when can you renounce by knowledge? Knowledge is in fact only removes ignorance. Knowledge, all knowledge can do is to remove ignorance. Just all that light can do is to dispel darkness. Similarly, knowledge can remove ignorance only. It is said that he has renounced all the actions by knowledge. If renunciation happens by knowledge, that means lack of renunciation was by ignorance. That I was holding on to something was merely by ignorance. What is it I am holding on to? These various notions about my own self. Kartratvam, Bhoktratvam. I am Karta, I am a doer. Bhokta, I am a Bhokta, I am an enjoyer, I am an experiencer. So, looking upon I or the self as Karta, Bhokta, as a doer, as enjoyer, so this is, that is why I hold on to things. In fact, this is what I have to renounce. And from this, then various other complexes also arise. See, when Kartratva Bhaktratva is there, that is when I am a doer, then when I perform an action, there is always a, an, a consciousness that I did it. And suppose I perform an action that is not becoming of me. It is not keep in keeping with my values. Let us say I said something that I should not have said. I did something I should not have done. Now later on, there is a sense of guilt. So kartratva, the sense of doer, what, what creates guilt in me is the kartratva, the sense of doership. Otherwise I have no guilt. I cannot feel guilty about what someone else did. I can feel guilty about what I did. And therefore all guilt arises because I did something which I should not have done. That I was not able to live up to my own values. And this sense of guilt. Another thing that I am suffering from is hurt. Is when someone does something to me. So when I become prey to somebody else's action, which I consider an improper action, unbecoming action, so when I interpret somebody's action as hurting, as insulting, then I feel hurt. <coughs> so bhoktrutvam, the sense of enjoyership or the sense of experiencership that I am an experiencer, that is what causes the hurt. That I am a doer, 
it is that complex about me that causes guilt and that I am an enjoyer or experiencer is what causes hurt. That's why they say that Kartrutva, Bhoktrutva, Lakshana, Samsara. Samsara is the nature of Kartrutva, Bhoktrutva. The sense of doership, sense of enjoyership, that is Samsara. Because it causes everything. It causes hurt and guilt. And that's all. These are the two kinds of pains that we have. Pain caused by me, by myself, to me by myself, and pain caused to me by others. When others pain cause pain to me, I call it hurt. When I cause pain to myself, I call it guilt. So kartrutva, the sense of doership, results into my causing pain to myself, and bhoktrutva, experience or enjoyership, makes me so, I mean, causes pain by somebody else. This is it. This is all the pains can be reduced to this too, hurt and guilt. In some ways or the other, we'll be able to reduce all the pain to this way. Thus, when I have resentment, when I have anger, when I have a sense of injustice, all of that is hurt. From the past also, whatever complaints have in my mind, you know, whether it is about my parents, my relatives, the society, whatever it is, I have not been treated properly by my boss, by my colleagues, and thus hurt, hurt, hurt. And I fail to treat somebody properly. Guilt, guilt, guilt. <coughs> Therefore, Lord Krishna says, right in the second chapter, Yenam veti hantaram, yaschenam manyate hatam, ubhautavuna vijanitaha, nayam hantina hanyate. With reference to action of killing, because that was the death of killing, that was his context here. Yenam veti hantaram, whoever looks upon Atma, the self, as a killer, yaschenam manyate hatam, or whoever looks upon the self as being killed, both of them do not know. Because Atma the self neither kills nor is killed. When it is said Atma does not kill, meaning Atma does not perform any action. Killing is a representative action. Atma doesn't perform any action. Nor Atma becomes the object of any action also. Neither Atma performs an action, nor can any action affect the Atma, affect the Self. If this is a knowledge, then that is, this is called freedom, because that, that is... So really what is to be renounced is nothing but the sense of Kartrutva and Bhoktrutva, doership and enjoyership. That's all. This is what the wise person has renounced in the wake of knowledge, that I am neither doer nor enjoyer. That all the doing and all the enjoying, experiencing takes place at the level of the upadi, prakriti, personality, nature, and not at the level of self. <coughs> that is why the 14th verse said, Na kartrutpam na karmani lokasya srajati prabhu. The at prabhu, the atma, kartrutvam. The doership is not there. Meaning that he doesn't, the, the doership, he doesn't make anybody, because it doesn't cause any doing. The karmani, nor does he do anything himself. So neither Atma does anything himself, nor does he cause anybody to do anything. Nadatte kasyashit papam nacheva sukratam vivuhu. Nor is he tainted by papa or punya. That means what we call the results of the action. The result of the action is papa or punya. Virtue or vice, he is not affected by them because he is not bhokta, he is not an enjoyer. And therefore nothing can affect that. So by this knowledge, one becomes free. This is the renunciation. Renunciation in the wake of knowledge. Because non-renunciation or holding on to something was on account of ignorance. So this kartrutva, bhoktrutva, doership, enjoyership is what I'm holding on to. And whatever else I'm holding on to, whether it's a house or it's any possession, it all arises from this. Basically, holding on to these two, the worship and enjoyership, results into holding on to other things because my holding to the objects of pleasure because there is enjoyership. I want them because I am an enjoyer, I am an experiencer, and therefore I want pleasant things to experience, and therefore I want to surround myself by things that are pleasant to me, and that's how I hold on to a lot of things, material things. And so, when that drops, everything else also drops. This is the renunciate. <coughs> How come we don't, this, this is the nature of Atma, how come we don't know that? How come I, why do I take myself to be a doer? 
why do I take myself and enjoy it? If doership, enjoyership is not my nature, why do I take myself to be so? Therefore, the second line of the 15th verse said, Ajnanena avradam jnanam tena muhyan Knowledge is covered by ignorance, hence people are deluded. Knowledge is covered by ignorance. The true knowledge is covered by ignorance. So this is, here Lord Krishna also gives definition of what is, what is nature of ignorance. Going back to our stock example of rope snake, so my ignorance of the rope, the true knowledge of the rope is covered, and mukhyandi jantavaha, and therefore there is a moha or delusion of snake. So thus the ignorance is these two elements, what we call avaranam and vikshepa, veiling and projection. So veiling, I do not know the true nature of the robe, this is called avaranam, veiling the true nature of the robe from me. And secondly, vikshepa, there is I see a snake there which is not there. See if there was total darkness, when I did not see the rope at all, then all there is is avaranam. Only veiling is there, there is no projection. If there was pitch darkness, I did not see the rope at all, then of course there would have been no projection of snake also. All there would have been is avaranam, just veiling. If there was broad daylight and I saw, saw the rope as a rope, then also there would be no projection of snake. So here there is a very peculiar condition in which the snake gets projected upon a rope, that it is not that I totally do not know the rope, I know the rope. In Vedanta we say that I have the general knowledge of the rope, that is something is there, I know it as something. If I did not see anything, as the case would have been, had it been pitch dark, then I would not have even mistaken it to be a snake, I would just walk by. If I had seen everything as it is, as in the broad daylight, then also there would have been no scope for the delusion of snake. But in a twilight situation, or semi-darkness situation, it's not totally dark, semi-dark, and therefore, I see all right, I see it as something, but not as rope. And so we can say that I have the general knowledge of the rope, but not the particular knowledge of the rope, general knowledge is this Something is there. But the particular aspect of the object that this is a rope, that is veiled by me. So that's what ignorance does. If ignorance completely veils the rope, then there is no moha projection. But this kind of ignorance where the rope is not completely covered, only what we call the vishesh jnanam, the ropeness is covered, but its existence is not covered. This is, so even when I say this is a snake, when I say this is a snake, that this is, that part belongs to the rope. Understand? Because this ignorance does not cover the existence of rope. I see some kind of an object. Something is there. But because I do not see what we call the vishesha, the particular aspect that this is rope, therefore on that aspect, instead of rope, a snake gets projected, something else gets projected. It could be a snake, it could be anything else. Thus this projection, which is called moha, moha means delusion, projection, superimposition. Atasmin tad buddhihi, seeing one thing where something else is there. Seeing something where it is not. This is also called moha, atasmin tad buddhihi. Seeing snake where it is not. This is called moha or delusion. This can happen only when General knowledge is there, but particular knowledge is not there. As we say, had it been pitch darkness, there would have been no general knowledge also, that this is something that also would not have been there, there would have been no projection of snake. Had it been broad daylight, then there would have been general knowledge and particular knowledge that this is rope, then also there would not have been projection. In the semi-darkness situation, where general knowledge is there, particular knowledge is not there, that is when this kind of projection can take place. Something like that happens about Atma also. It is not that I just don't know myself at all. 
I know that I am Ahmasmi, I am Sadarhami, that I am conscious. Kadachitnahamapriya, that I always love myself. This is known to me. And this is never veiled. Thus the general knowledge about myself is there. But the particular knowledge that I am Anandaha, I am infinite, I am limitless, I am Brahma, I am self of all, I am ever free. This Visheshaknyanam or the particular knowledge about myself is not there. And on that aspect the projection takes place. That instead of limitlessness, I project I am a limited being. I am bound, I am limited, I am unhappy, I am ignorant, I am mortal, I am small, I am helpless. All of these projections take place. This is called moha. I am a karta, I am a bhokta, I am a doer, I am an enjoyer. Ajnanena avrtam jnanam. And this is vishesh jnanam. This, this particular knowledge about the atma is veiled by ignorance. Tena mukhyandi jantavaha. And therefore jantavaha, the creatures or the people have all this moha or the delusion and therefore they entertain all these variety of notions or complexes about themselves. So this is prakriya, this is a method, it's a model presented here, ignorance. <coughs> As we said earlier, this, this, what situation that obtains in the deep sleep state is comparable to a pitch dark situation when I don't see the rope at all, when there is no projection. Similarly also in the state of deep sleep, I don't even know that I am. Therefore, there is no projection at all, and therefore I am free from all projections and complexes in deep sleep. Other person who is totally free from projection, like if I see the rope in the broad daylight, similarly, wise person sees the self as a karta, a bhokta, non-doer, non-enjoyer, well, he has also no projection. In between, everybody has projection. So, ignorant people who know the self in general, but not in particular, and to them, and there, for them, there is this projection called moha or ignorance, I mean the delusion. <coughs> so this ignorance is very dangerous, I mean ignorance is not merely absence of knowledge. If I just did not know the rope, no problem. But I see the snake, and that is, that is what causes fear. That's what causes aversion, I want to run, run away from that. The another example that is given, another stock example, is projecting silver upon the shell, mother of pearl. So while walking on the beach, a piece of shell is lying there, and perhaps some particles of sand are stuck to that, and in sunlight those those particles glitter. They reflect light. And so I, I, I confuse it or I mistake it to be silver. And when I see a piece of silver there, what happens? I, I, I'm an attachment. I want it. And that's why I go to take it. So all attachments and aversion. So example of rope snake is given as an illustration of aversion. An example of shell and silver is given as an illustration of attachment. Both of them are false. Therefore, whatever attachments and aversions we have, both of them are false. But anyway, both are called moha, and both of them are going to cause pain. Snake causes pain by the perception, and the silver causes pain by the disappointment. They both cause pain. We feel that attachment is all right, Swami. What's wrong with attachment? I'm attached to my children. What's wrong with that? Attached to my home, attached to my family, attached to this, that, and so forth. They will cause problem by disappointing. That's all. Attachment means an expectation, a certain kind of demand, and when I fail to fulfill the demand, I am disappointed. So snake causes the pain of fear by the very perception, and the silver causes the pain of disappointment. So both attachment and aversion, both of them cause pain, understand? <coughs> now that is called samsara. So this is, that is why, of course a question is asked, Swamiji, if God does not acknowledge your papa or punya, if everything is the same to him, then what's the incentive on my part to lead a virtuous life? If he says, Nadatte kasachit papam, nacheva sukratam vivuhu, Lord does not take the papa nor the punya, neither virtue nor vice, then everybody is same. But this is a Lord that we call the, this is the transcendental Lord. This is what we call the nirguna 
or Nirvishesha. But the Lord who is eminent, Lord who is functioning through Maya, well, He does everything. He, he takes account of all Punya Papa, and therefore, in the realm of Maya alone, Punya Papa is there. In the realm of Maya alone, Ishwar also is there. In the realm of Maya alone, the Jiva is there. Kartarupa Bhukruta, everything. And therefore, what we primarily have to do is to remove this ignorance. And that's what Lord Krishna says in the next verse. Jnane natuta dagnyanam Jnane natuta dagnyanam Yesham nashita matmanah Yesham nashita matmanah Tesham aditya vajnanam Tesham aditya vajnanam Prakashayati tatparam Prakashayati tatparam Two, however, whereas Yesham for those Agnanam Nashitam, the ignorance, Atma Agnanam Nashitam, ignorance of self is destroyed, Jnanena by knowledge. However, for those whose ignorance of self is destroyed by the knowledge of self, Tesham Adityavadnanam Prakashaditatparam. Here Lord Krishna says, But Swamiji, how do you know the Self? How can you know Brahman? Brahman is limitless. The mind is always limited. How can you know Brahman by mind? How can you know the Self by mind? So Lord Krishna says, Tesham Adityavadnyanam Prakashayaditatparam The Jnanam, the knowledge that takes place in the mind, reveals Brahman. Adityavad just as the sun reveals the objects of the world without assistance from anybody else. The example of sun is given how light dispels darkness. And for dispelling darkness, light does not require assistance of anything else. It is not there for dispelling darkness, we require light as well as we have to chant some mantras, then alone darkness goes. Light dispels darkness without assistance from anything. Similarly also, knowledge dispels ignorance without assistance from anything. You don't require karma, you don't require anything else. So just as, just as the sun dispels the darkness and illumines everything momentarily, so also the knowledge that takes place in the mind illumines Param Brahma as my very self. How can mind illumine Brahman? It's true. Mind is limited. How can the limited mind illumine Brahman, the self that is limitless? It doesn't reveal in that sense. The point is that self is consciousness and thereby is always revealed. It is not that mind has to reveal the self. See, when it comes to the objects like this, when it comes to the, what we call the, the material objects, things which are objectified by my sense organs, there we say that the sense organs reveal the objects. The mind reveals the objects because these objects are not capable of revealing themselves. They are what we call jada or inert. Inert means that which is not self-effulgent, that which requires to be revealed by some other light. To give an example, sun can be said to be self-effulgent, whereas moon is not self-effulgent. And therefore, moon requires the light of sun to reveal itself. All the objects are like that. Similarly also, all the objects of the world are called inert and they require the light of consciousness to reveal them. Light of consciousness reveals them in this way, that first of all the consciousness, as we said, illumines the mind. Mind in turn illumines the sense organs and sense organs in turn illumine the objects. This is a process. And thus, you can know a certain object only when it is illumined by consciousness, otherwise you cannot know. Even the sound, these words that are being spoken, also you can know provided the words are illumined by consciousness. And consciousness requires the assistance of the mind and sense organs to illumine them. And therefore, the words can be there, but my, I, my mind will not be behind my ears, in which case, these words will not be eliminated. The point is that the words are not self-effulgent and therefore, 
they cannot reveal themselves to you unless your consciousness reveals these words. So, thus, everything in the world has requires to be revealed. But that does not apply to self. That does not require to Atma. That doesn't apply to Brahman or the self. But Brahman is the nature of consciousness, which is self-revealing. And therefore, the kind of process that is required to reveal the ghatapada, these different objects like that, that process is not required for revealing the self. As you said, this ghata can be known to me, this spot can be known to me, only when it becomes an object of perception of my eyes. So the consciousness functioning through the eyes illumines the part, then the part can become the object of my knowledge. And therefore, what I can know through my eyes is going to be limited by the eyes. Therefore, as far as the objective world is concerned, what I know is going to be limited by my eyes, by my mind also. And it is true, therefore, that mind cannot eliminate the limitless. However, in case of the self, it is not that mind has to illumine the self, because self is always illumined. All that mind has to do is to remove that delusion. All that is required to do is remove the delusion of snake and the rope gets revealed. Here also, the delusion that ahamkar, I am karta, I am, I am a doer, I am an enjoyer, that complex alone has to go. It is that complex that is really concealing the self. What is that veiling that rope? My conclusion that this is a snake. What is it that is veiling the rope from me? My conclusion that this is a snake. And all that is required for that conclusion to go, then I know the object as rope. Similarly also, what it is that is veiling the self? Conclusion that I am a doer, I am an enjoyer, I am a jiva. It is that conclusion or it is a notion of the complex, that is what is actually concealing the true nature of the self and therefore all that is to happen is for that notion to go. So here what we call ignorance is, another example that is given is like the sun. Sun is being hidden behind the clay, is being concealed by the clouds. Shall we say that the clouds are really concealing the sun, they are covering the sun? Not really. All the clouds are doing, they are just covering my, uh, my sight, that's all they are doing. And therefore, it is not that one has to illumine the sun, all that is required is the obstacle, obstruction from my sight has to go, because sun is self-effulgent. Similarly also, obstacle to my buddhi, my intellect or my mind has to go, and that obstacle is of the nature of this complexes, doership, enjoyership, they have to drop. The self gets revealed because it is always revealed. As I said, today also I know myself, except I know it falsely, as a doer, enjoyer. But then in that knowledge also, some part is true. When I say that I am an enjoyer, or I am a doer, or I am a jiva, I am a samsara, that I am is, 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 is true. And only that tail has to go, that superimposition has to go. And that is what the knowledge does, the inquiry, vichara, who am I? that removes, that reveals the fallacy of the doership, enjoyership, the, the notions. When they drop, the self gets revealed. And that's how, in the mind, therefore, the, you can say that the mind has the ability to know the self, or reveal the self, as Brahman, because that is what self is. <coughs> Of course, one has to go through the process that is required for removing the ignorance, no doubt. Jnanena. Who the, see, by the knowledge. The knowledge that takes place by the teaching of the teacher. Guru Upadishta, Vedanta Mahavakya Janyena. No doubt it is the, the knowledge is born of the Upadesha, of the teaching of the teacher. And what is the teacher teaches? Tattva Masi, that thou art, this is called Mahavakya. In fact, teacher says, you are not a samsari, you are not a doer, you are not an enjoyer, you are not a limited being, in fact, you are a samsari, you are ever free, you are ever limitless. So when these words of the teacher, 
when they become real for the student, when the mind of the student is prepared by what we call this sadhana chatushta. So when there is viveka, vairagya in the mind, when the mind is composed, then it receives, it understands the meaning that yes, you see it is like this, that when, let us say, in my heart, I am experiencing happiness. As a result of this, removal of these likes and dislikes, as I said, the happiness which is my own nature becomes revealed. So as my mind becomes sattvic or pure, to that extent, the happiness which is the nature of self becomes revealed. So I find myself happy for no reason. And then if somebody says, that happiness you are, I say, I know, I understand. No difficulty. But when I'm sad and then I'm told that you are happiness, that makes me further sad because of you know, I'm really, am I happiness? Am I ananda? So far I thought that there was a reason why I, should, I was sad. Now I realize that there's no reason to be sad. And therefore that makes me further sad. And so a sad mind cannot understand his operation. But a happy mind can definitely. So that is what a happy or loving mind can understand that happiness you are. The love that you are. And therefore those seekers who have prepared their mind they gain the knowledge by the, by the proper teaching on the part of the competent teacher. And that knowledge reveals the self as Brahman. Tesham, so it says tat param prakashayati, tat param brahma. That Brahman or the Paramatma is being revealed as my very self when the veil of ignorance is removed. <coughs> And when this knowledge is revealed, what happens? So how are these wise people? That is being described in the 17th verse, 18th verse, 19th verse, 17th verse says. Tadbuddhayastadatmanaha Tadbuddhayastadatmanaha Tannishthastatparayanaha this is all in plural, describing this, the people who have this abiding knowledge, tad buddha Tasmin gata buddhi yeshamri tad buddha. So now the buddhi has gone. So tad buddha. So now the self of Brahman becomes the object of buddhi. Buddhi means intellect. So one for in whose intellect the object of knowledge is Brahman. That's called tad buddha. The idea is that it is not that I am Brahman but the discovery that everything is Brahman. And therefore in the buddhi or in the intellect of these wise people, all there is nothing but Brahman alone, tat buddha, the mind always abides in Brahman. So those people who abide in the knowledge of Brahman as the very self. And not only do I know the self as Brahman, but as everything as Brahman, because I am the self of all. So it was said earlier, sarva bhutatma bhutatma, one who discovers himself to be the self of all. Tat buddha. And so, here are the people whose buddhi, whose knowledge, who has, have an abiding knowledge of the Self being Brahman. <coughs> Tad buddha. So they know Brahman. But that means that they are the knower and Brahman is known. See, when you say that he knows Brahman, that means he is a knower of Brahman and Brahman is an object of knowledge. Is that kind of a, dif- is that kind of a duality is there? So that then says Lord here, Tadatmanaha. How do they know Brahman? So their mind abides in knowledge of Brahman. But normally the knowledge always involves a duality between the knower and the known. That's the usual form of knowledge that we have. And that is why these problems, that is why so many questions arise also. So whenever they talk of knowledge of the self or knowledge of Brahman, a lot of questions arise because I always compare that knowledge with 
or I try to understand that knowledge with reference to conventional knowledge which always involves the duality. When I say that I am a knower of the part, the knower I is different from the object of knowledge that is part. And therefore the duality between the knower and the known is always there in all forms of knowledge and that's the kind of knowledge that we know. So when we say that the mind of the wise man always abides the knowledge of Brahman, in what, how do they know Brahman? Is it that they know themselves the knowers of Brahman and Brahman is an object of knowledge? says, no, Tadatmanaha. Brahman is known as the very self, Tadatmanaha. <coughs> Tadeva Param Brahma, Atma Yeshamde. So not only does the mind abide in knowledge of Brahman, but knowledge of Brahman is the very self. <coughs> that means that duality of the knower and the known is also not there. Only because there is no effort to know also. As we say, the self is always revealing itself. It is not that I have to make an effort to know. Even today also somebody asked me, Swamiji, are you there? I said, yes. How do you know you are there? Are you there? So let me think whether I am there or not. Let me test whether I am there or not. I don't have to do that. Because that I am is self-revealing and therefore I don't require to see myself. Even today also when somebody says, Hey, who are you? I am here. Who is that? I am here. So on what basis do I say I am here? How do I know I am? Do I see myself and then I say that I am here? Or do I trust myself to say that I am here? Or do I say, let me think whether I am here or not? Does it require seeing, thinking, any kind of an operation of sense organs, any kind of operation of mind? It doesn't require, because I am is self-effulgent. So today also I know myself, not through sense organs, not through mind, because self is, as I said, self-revealing. And so this is a knowledge where the duality between the knower and known also is resolved. Therefore Brahman is known as my very self, Tadatmana. Tannishthaha, another characteristic or another adjective, Tannishthaha. But the question is, when these people perform the, the actions? So when you perform the action, then in order to perform the action, then you have to identify with the body and that is going to involve the duality. So how do you say that they always abide in Brahman? Is it not that when they function in the realm of duality, then is it not that they forget their non-duality? Or is it, so the point is, that when they function in the realm of duality, is it not that they miss the non-duality? says, no, tat parayanaha. Even while functioning in the realm of duality, they always, in fact, the point is that they do not even perform any action. As I said earlier, from his standpoint of view, he knows, I do not do anything and therefore, even while appearing to perform the action, he always abides in Brahman. Tannishtaha. Tat parayanaha. And, but then, do they not have something to achieve in their life? There is no tat parayanaha. That Brahman alone is param ayanam, or the ultimate end. And so, they know Brahman itself is ultimate end. Nothing, re nothing remains to be achieved. So, this is the kind of thing that can take my mind away from myself. For example, if there is something that I will achieve in my life, then my mind will be occupied with your object. That the goal of achievement, then it is away from me. While I am performing action, then I, I, then in the realm of duality, then my mind also gets focused on what I have to do, how I have to do, then also again I miss myself. When I know an object is different from me, then also my mind is occupied with the object, then also I miss myself. Therefore, we miss ourselves. But this one does not miss himself because he knows the self, there is no knowledge, there is no duality of the knower known. There is no duality of the doer doing. There is no duality of the enjoyer enjoyed. So all these dualities have been erased on account of the fact that he appreciates everything as Brahman. All right, they always abide in Brahman whether they are functioning, they are not functioning, working, not working, knowing, not knowing. But what happens to them after death? Don't they have to come back, take another body and come back? 
Also questions are asked, Swami, what happens to them after death? This, this soul, the Atma goes from here and merges into something, what happens, you know? As we said, there is no question of going and coming at all. As we said last night, that here is a pot and there is a pot space inside. So when the pot breaks, what happens to pot space? Does it merge into the space? Does the pot space merge into total space? Does it merge because it never was away? And so the distance between the total space and part space was merely my notional distance because I thought that this part creates a division in space, which it does not. Therefore, really speaking, there is no going. Even when he is alive, he knows himself with Brahman and therefore he abides in Brahman. Not that he abides later on. He knows himself as a consciousness, which is one without a second, which is all pervasive. This body does not divide the consciousness, does not create division, and therefore it is not that it is to go someplace. So, Gachandi Apunaravratim, even now also he abides in Brahman, and to the onlookers it appears as though he is having some kind of body, and he is within the body. And therefore, when his obstacle of the body also goes away, then in the primary sense you can say that he abides in Brahman, but there is no reason for him to come back. As I say, the only reason why a soul takes a birth is because some agenda still remains to be completed. The shopping list is not yet over. That means still a lot of things have to be accomplished. So when I die, and at the time of death, all kinds of desires I still have, a lot of desires unfulfilled, then to fulfill my desires, I take another birth. But here, there is no desire to be unfulfilled because he discourses himself to be the fulfillment of all the desires. And therefore, he, he passes away without any kind of a desire, there is any kind of sense of incompleteness, without any agenda. And therefore also, there is no question of taking another birth. Because all that kalmasha, all the duality, all the sense of doership, enjoyership, all of that is nirvata, is burnt, is destroyed by jnanam or the knowledge. <coughs> Whose impurities have been destroyed by knowledge, impurities of the nature of doership, enjoyership, all these notions have been destroyed by knowledge. They reach a point or they reach a state from where they have nothing to return. <coughs> that is how they are inside. But how are they outside? This is how Tannishtat Buddha so they are the people whose mind or you know, abides in the knowledge of Brahman. Tadatmanaha, they know Brahman as their very self. Tanishtaha, they are nothing but totally abiding in, in Brahman. Tatparayanaha, Brahman herself alone is the ultimate goal. It's all within themselves. How do these people conduct themselves in their day to day dealings? How do they conduct themselves in this society? And 18th verse tells us that. Vidya Vinaya Sampanne Vidya Vinaya Sampanne Brahmane Gavi Hastini Brahmane Gavi Hastini Shuni Chai Vashvapakecha Shuni Chai Vashvapakecha Pandita Samadarshinaha Last words are Panditaha Samadarshinaha. Wise people are needed those who see the sameness. Panditaha, wise people, Samadarshinaha, those who see the sameness. Where Vidya, Vinaya, Sampanne, Brahmane, in a Brahmin who is endowed with knowledge and humility, then the pious person. Brahman is a learned, pious person who is endowed with knowledge and humility. So whether the, they are interacting with a Brahmana, a pious person, what we call a sattvic person, or 
गवी ओदर काओ हस्तिनी और एन एलिफेंट सुनी और इन इन अ डॉग स्वपाके च और इन एन आउटकास्ट सो आउटकास्ट इज विथ रेफरेंस टू द काइंड ऑफ यू नो सोशल स्ट्रक्चर दैट ऑब्टेन दैट टाइम चंडाल और आउटकास्ट इन शॉर्ट व्हाट एवर इट इज दे कम अक्रॉस सो हियर लॉर्ड कृष्णा इज अ होल स्पेक्ट्रम अ होल क्रॉस सेक्शन ऑफ द सोसाइटी as i said we our disposition can be looked upon as sattvic rajas or tamas so lord krishna gives examples all the three vidya vina sampanna brahmana a brahmana learned person who who are who is endowed with the knowledge and humility he is a sattvic person a cow rajogun rajas elephant tamas dog further tamas and outcast further tamas and so these are the examples of the whole spectrum <coughs> beginning from sattva to the tamas so there is all these people are all these creatures so when he interacts or he relates to all these creatures or when he meets these creatures how do they look at them panditaha samadarshinah these wise people see sameness in all of them in their mind a brahmana or a fire in their mind there is nothing higher nothing lower all of them are the same how can all of them be same because they are, they are all different do you mean to say that he does not perceive a brahmana as a brahmana he sees something else he does not see a dog as a dog but sees something else no he sees what everybody else sees and therefore the perception is as everybody else has but there are two things one is perception other is the appreciation <clears throat> i can perceive one thing i can appreciate something else thus when i'm looking at the mirror i see something in there but my appreciation is it is i or on the stage i can perceive a beggar but my appreciation is what he is an actor similarly also the perception is of all these varieties sattvic rajas tamas all these various personalities have been described here a sattvic personality a rajas personality a tamas personality but he realizes that all these sattva rajas tamas all of these are attributes of many personality but the person the self who manifests through the personality ever remains unattached or untouched by them and that was said earlier how neva kurvanna karan how the self na neva nadatte kaschit pavam nacheva sukrutam vibhuhu how atma remains totally unaffected by papa and punya by virtue and vice by the personality so this brahmana kshatriya vaishya shudra dog cat cow elephant all of these are the designations of personalities but the person just as we give the example of electricity how electricity passes through variety of appliances something is called bulb something is called heater something is called cooler and therefore their manifestations are all different but the one that manifests through them electricity is one similarly also the self or the person that manifests through all the personalities is one and it is that they see also <coughs> so with this two eyes they see the name and form with the third eye they also see the asti bhati priyam that is in every name and form that's why they call it third eye so lord shiva is the asti eye with the two eyes he sees what everybody else sees with the third eye he sees what others do not see what these eyes can show is merely nama and rupa <coughs> what the eyes of knowledge can show is asti bhati prem how asti bhati prem how satchit ananda or satyam jnanam anantam brahma how that does not in any way is displaced by any name and form just as regardless of what the ornament is an ornament cannot displace gold whatever the form is and similarly also whatever be the name and form 
the fact that it is asti bhadi priyam that, that is its true nature is not in any way negated <coughs> and therefore he does not fail to see this that's all as i said ordinary people are so preoccupied with name and form that they fail to appreciate the asti bhadi priyam the adhisthanam this one does not fail to appreciate and therefore they see the sameness in all of them they may treat them differently that's a different matter seeing sameness is one thing and behaving with sameness is a different thing that means that in the vyavahara they will take into account the duality of obtains and therefore they will receive a brahmana in one way they will receive a dog in another way it's not the same asana is given to a dog as it is given to a brahmana that is not the idea here It's just a matter of appreciation. Same respect is that. Same love is that. Whether he's a Brahmana or an outcast. There's no hatred, no aversion, no attachment. Normally when I see a person, it always creates a reaction in me. Either I like him or dislike him. Either attachment or aversion. Something happens to me. Or I may be indifferent also. Something I don't care. Indifference. But that indifference also someday can change, you know. If that person changes, then he can create attachment or aversion either way. So usually when I meet people or when I meet the situations, my reaction is one of attachment. Either I'm happy or I'm unhappy. Harsha or shoka. Elation or grief. And this is how the reaction is. This person is free from those reactions because he appreciates that in and through this pleasant and unpleasant, honor and dishonor, good and bad, right and wrong what is the substratum their content the asti bhati priyam is, is always there without which nothing can ever exist and therefore from that standpoint all of them are the same from standpoint of name and form they are all different and at the level of name and form they may be treated differently also as the code of conduct demands that's all so wise people also follow the code of conduct generally what we call the norms that prevailing at that time and therefore they do follow that sometimes they may not even follow they are not obliged to following norms also and therefore it's quite possible that he may treat a dog as as dearly as he may treat a human being or a cow or an elephant or even an outcast who is rejected by everybody else also may be as accepted and loved and treated in the same way and we know how great people do that because all the uh, inhibitions have gone away all the demands have gone away and therefore the love becomes just very manifest as i said love is also not something that we have to acquire it is that we have to remove the obstacles and ignorance and all the notions are just obstacles as they have gone away his love is equally available to everybody there is no unreserved or unconditional love so we also love but our love is conditional as long as my condition is satisfied so long the love is there condition not satisfy the love disappears no conditions love is always unconditional love there is one thing that we love unconditionally you know what my own self for me i have an unconditional love regardless of what it is as swamiji says this fellow loves himself and therefore every first thing he does in the morning is to look at his face in the mirror you know however his face is and he does not miss the opportunity of looking at his face in any shining surface however it looks but he doesn't fail to see that that shows a love for the self so one thing is certain that i love my own self unconditionally at all times i love at all places i love and whether i am good or bad i still love myself love for the self is unconditional so i that's not right i hate myself very often no i do not hate the self i hate that self that i think i am that's all when i hate myself it is self that i think i am it is because i love love, love that real self that is why i hate that self so the self sachidananda is always the object of my love unconditional love when i discover others also as sachidananda same unconditional love is there and that is what is shown samadarshina ha huh? that means in the, in the western language we can say that they love them all equally without any reservation here they said they look upon them equally 
That means that the Atma, the Self, is never affected by the personality. Sattvic, Rajas or Tamas, whatever be the personality. All the impurities can be there in the mind, Atma doesn't get impure. Neither does he get pure, nor does he get impure. You know, this, this seeing all of them equal, this is a very famous incident uh, quoted in the life of Shankaracharya, and that was his encounter with with a Swapaka, Chandala. Chandala means an outcast. So person who eats dog meat, you know, and that is looked down upon. So these people are outcast, untouchables. And Shankaracharya once had encounter with an untouchable like that, with a Chandala. When he was early morning returning from after his his bath from the Ganges and perhaps going to Lord Shiva's temple with the water pot in the narrow streets of Banaras then he comes across a huge person in the, it's still dark like 4.30 in the morning you can't clearly see and he sees a, a, somebody blocking his road and he realizes that he comes close that he is a sweeper he is now untouchable gacha gacha move away move away that is samskar that's a habit Brahmins, you know, they are brought up that way. They say, move away, move away. And then that sweeper, the outcast, untouchable, confronted him. He, he says, yes, sir. Dvijashreshta, you are the most exalted among the learned people. And when you order me to do something, I must follow the order. I must definitely move away. But before I, I follow the order or instruction or the command, I like to just get some clarification from you as to what is it that you want to move away from what? Annamayad annamayam athva chaitanyameva chaitanyat Do you mean to say that this body which is made up of the modification of food this pinda should move away from that body which is another packet of food? So should this packet of food move away from that packet of food? Is that what you mean? Or this consciousness should move away from that consciousness? What do you mean? What is it? You please clarify then I'll definitely move. And as though this is not enough, that Chandala elaborates a statement. Is it that when the sun gets reflected in the Ganges, and the sun also gets reflected in the, 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 the sewer, dirty, sewer of dirty water in the place from where I am in the, in the slums, so this person comes from slums, and what is flowing there is this dirty water sewer, sun gets reflected there also. And so you are coming from Ganges, which is purer than the purest, and the sun gets reflected there also. Is it that the sun gets purified because it gets reflected in the Ganges, or does it become impure because it gets reflected in the sewage water? Or the space? That just because the space gets confined in a, in a clay pot, and another space that gets confined in, in a golden pot, does it that the space becomes more precious because it is in a golden pot and becomes less, you know, value because it is in a, in a clay pot? If this is so then, in the self, that is like the waveless ocean of happiness. So waveless ocean of fullness, that's the nature of the self. In that, where did you see the difference between a Brahmana and a, and a Chandala? Where did you see that difference? So thus when confronted by this Chandala, then Shankaracharya became, you know, he must have woken up. He woke up means what? I mean, he, he was awake to himself, but he woke up to the Vyavara also. I said, wait a minute, what did I say? And then he sought the pardon. He fell, you know, fell flat at the feet of this Chandala and declared that whoever has this knowledge is my Guru. He declared him as his teacher, as his Guru. Of course, it is said that Chandala was none other than Lord Shiva himself. So Lord Shiva came in the form of this untouchable. He had four dogs apparently, that means the four uh, Vedas. And so he uh, confronted and that's how uh, the story is. The idea is that how for the wise people, everybody is nursing about Lord Shiva. That's what this Vasudeva Sarvamiti. And so it is said in the seventh chapter. Everything is Vasudeva. This is how it is perceived. <coughs> Samadarshina, huh? thus they see the same Lord, the same Self as manifesting in every name and form. 
knowing fully well that all the purity and impurity and all the all the duality, all the variety and disparity or diversity is only the level of name and form of personality and that does not in any way affect the person is ever the same and that is none other than my own self. <coughs> okay, so this is the perception as far as the Vyavahara is concerned. Alright. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaham Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vatvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhya